Hello, everyone. Welcome to What is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry. My name is Dr. David Clay. My son comes to me. He's 17. <laughs> and he asks me a question. I gave him an answer. He said, that's not right. <laughs> I said, well, well, it's right to me. Uh, he says to me, that's not right to me, though. That's not what I heard. That's not what everybody else does. Uh, <laughs> the content of the question is probably not as important as is the point. Uh, my son has a different perspective on what is right or wrong than I do. Um, <laughs> I told him, I've been around longer than you. Uh, I've studied more than you. I've had more life experiences than you. I have all of those things as cred, <laughs> credibility. Uh, from which, out of which, by which, I declare this is the right way to do it. He, of course, argues that uh, that was a long time ago. <laughs> that isn't what we do anymore these days. Uh, where have you been? That type of thing. It made me think, though, to determine what is right or what is not right, or even the standard, and it could be small things. Uh, in particular, this was cleaning up the garage. Uh, I gave him a chore. He's 17. He lives at the house. He needs to help out a bit. I gave him a chore. I cleaned the garage up. Uh, I had in mind what that was going to look like, uh, how it was going to be swept, things were going to be put back in order. Particularly, I was interested in all the things that belonged to him being put back on the shelves where they belong in order, uh, but that was not his idea. Uh, and as much, again, we could get into too much, I think, too much detail about how we differed in our opinion, uh, he didn't do it to my standard, and you probably get the picture. Um, made me think, though, God has a standard. Um, he has an idea in mind a way of doing things. A lot of people don't like that idea, uh, the notion that somehow God has a standard and they have to therein uh, attain it, reach it, maybe even before then attaining it or getting to it. They have to aspire, desire to be that way. Um, and I do think all those things are true, truths. But you have to begin even a more elemental sort of way with this notion of who gets to decide. Now, my son, he's still, he's still living in my house. So I get to um, set that standard. I do flex a bit. Uh, I do consider that the way that I've done things all along might not be the way that things are done today. Possibly uh, the way I've done them all along maybe isn't the best way. I'm always open to suggestions on making life better. <laughs> it might be measured in terms of ease. It may be also measured in terms of quality, better. Uh, so I'm flexible. I'll accept that I may have done something wrong or in establishing my standards, especially when it comes to cleaning the garage, even just working, performing a chore, which is really what that's about. I think that's what that came down to. But, but in that sort of way, um, 
what is it, again, to be right? And who gets to establish that? Now, of course, we could measure everything in life by situation and circumstance. And that's probably why on the front end of this, I was somewhat uh, deliberating as to whether or not I'm going to get into the specific circumstance because not everybody has garages, right? <laughs> maybe, maybe not everybody has a 17-year-old son. Um, maybe, too, even if they have a 17-year-old son, maybe they don't have the same standards I do when it comes to giving their son chores. Maybe they don't give chores. All of that is, is a possible. Um, but at the same time, if we got caught up in all of those detail things, or if that's where we began with those sorts of details, situation, circumstance-driven details, there is probably many, many, many ways to clean a garage. And everybody is probably, to some extent or another, entitled to their opinion about that. But somehow, that really doesn't seem to work. We have to resort, if we do abide by that, we have to resort to eventually somebody, one, if there's only two, one of the two getting their way. Yes, I, in an ideal world, with, um, in that kind of a context of, wouldn't it be nice uh, if everything could be negotiated, uh, <laughs> if, if democracy... It truly worked. Uh, and I do believe it does. But I believe as much, except that we would have some sound measure and way of determining right or wrong that we all agree upon, and it would then end in or result in some sort of uniform, universal standard of what is right it's just probably going to be a mess. <laughs> just like my garage. It's probably going to be a mess. And the way you clean it up might not be exactly the way I clean it up or would think it should be. Uh, and, you know, not wasting the opportunity to, to use this as, as a metaphor for reality and life in a bigger, <laughs> broadest sort of way. That's kind of the world we have. When there was only a few of us, people that is, then you could just go somewhere, get away from somebody if you didn't like them. And there was plenty of room and space. You could have your own little kingdom. You could do it as long as you could get people to agree it was the right way to do it. However you would, res whatever you would resort to, however you would accomplish that end, uh, you could have control of it. That isn't the way the world is anymore. There are so, so, so many people with diverse backgrounds, cultural backgrounds, family upbringings. Um, we're right next door to each other, literally neighbor to neighbor to neighbor with very, very, very margin, uh, little margin or relatively small margin uh, distance in space, but also in terms of beliefs. And you put all of that together, except that you would have some way to bring that to some uniformity, you're going to have conflict. 
struggles, fights, differences of opinion. My son and I never fight uh, because it's part of uh, our, I guess, agreement that we're not going to disrespect each other in that measure or that manner. What I'm trying to say is we could try to do all this by situation and circumstance, and some of us would or would not have a situation and circumstance like that. It may apply to some then and maybe not to others. Or we could do everything by situation and circumstance, and even the novel ones, we could still come to disagreement because we have no way upon which to agree. So again, what is the right way to do it? It also brought this thought to my mind. When I think of humanity, <laughs> I think of corruptibility, corruption, corruptibility. Um, I see our human dimension as part of the natural world. And in that, I know the Word of God, Old and New Testament, describes such as fallen. Uses, at least the King James, that root word, corrupt, corruption. I don't know if corruptibility is in there. But the idea that part of the problem is our flesh is fallen. Nonetheless, what is unfortunately part of our fallen nature, natural world, corruption, corruptibility, the things that all this mess of this world brings upon us, what that unfortunately tends to also hide or cover up, especially if we're not really aware of it, we don't have a reference as to what it really is to be not only human, but in context of this conversation today on the podcast, how it is to do things in right manner or order, to do it rightly. And that might include then uniformity, agreement, uh, as me and my son have, some element of mutual respect even in our disagreement. So I would tend to believe the Bible would tell us that the human nature is probably not the best standard. Yes, we're born with it, <laughs> at least the iniquity, the opportunity, I think, consider iniquity to be in that way as much anything possibly an opportunity to get dirty, to let the things of the natural dictate what we are called to be, what humans are by God's design supposed to be. But if I'm not careful, even I, in trying to come up with an idea or an ideal, better said, as to what humans should be, I still might try to create all of us in my image. <laughs> that doesn't work. The Bible says that we are created in God's image. But the Bible also says that God is a spirit. And as much as we know he is a spirit, he has manifestation, right, image, in some sort of physical regard. But really, God is, as a spirit, more along the lines then of what we're to be or possibly created in as much as it is to be human 
this particular type of flesh creation that God has put upon this earth, like he's created everything in a material regard. But in order for me then to understand what I'm really supposed to be, possibly even as a human, as I was before I got dirty, exposed to the natural, living in the natural world, I have to be told (laughs) what it is then to be created in God's image. Now, I could do the same thing my 17-year-old did. I could go to God and say, but God, they don't do it that way anymore. That's not the way we do it. Or I could say, yeah, but that was like for then. This is like for now. It's a different world. And it's true. It is a different world. But some things need to always be the same lest we lose our true identity, which uh, if anyone has been really able to follow me because of my presentation, that would be up to this point, I have an identity. It is to be what God has determined me to be created in his likeness, which really, if I take that literally so, which means I am like God. But we know God is not flesh. He has manifestation, again, as flesh in a material regard, but he's spirit. I am to be spirit, and I am to be what God has called me to be, in spirit regard. Not what I think I should be. Not what you think I should be. Uh, Not necessarily what my 17-year-old thinks I should be. But what I am really supposed to be. And what am I supposed to be? I'm supposed to be created in the likeness of God. But if I don't know what that is, then I cannot fulfill what God wants me to do with my life, fulfill his calling on my life. I'm going to get confused. (laughs) I'm already dirty, right? Because that is corruption and corruptibility. That is my human nature. But once God says, this is what I'm supposed to be, or at least I listen to God telling me what I'm supposed to be, or he declares, I have created man and woman. This is what they're to be. This is what you're to be. He sanctifies me. Now, that's a loaded word, especially for those who may not know the true word of God, Old and New Testament, may not understand it, could have heard it, But even for those that do know the word of God, sanctification can be an incredibly loaded word in terms of importance. If I am dirty, I need to be cleansed, clean, made clean. So God takes my iniquity, opportunity to get dirty, and then following iniquity, the opportunity, I will indeed sin. Because I will then, in my opportunity to try to be what I think I should be, am probably going to get it wrong. Every situation and circumstance that comes up will challenge me 
to try to figure out what is right. And as much as I want to be right in every situation and circumstance, I am not always going to be right. And I might be different than you, and if you think you always have to be right or you're always going to be right, and I think I always have to be right, I'm going to be right or must be right, then we're going to have disagreements that are unreconcilable, irreconcilable. Excuse me. But when God gives me his word to show me, to tell me, show is living word, tell is written word, and we actually get that in reverse order. We're told first, and then, as with word, we're shown. The Old Testament tells first, correctly so, identifies our virtue, our character, so that in New Testament, we get to see it with living word example, Jesus Christ, and all of those who otherwise have accepted Christ as Savior, Jesus as the Christ, within the Holy Spirit, which really is there, he is there, all the way from the beginning to the end, not only in terms of the Word of God, Old and New Testament, but in our each and every one of our lives. But again, I said that earlier. The dirty part, the iniquity, the being a natural creature, maybe even the element of development and learning makes it difficult for us to always know what our true virtue and character is, what our true identity is supposed to be. Again, we can all have differences of opinion on what is right or wrong in certain circumstances and situational context. Nonetheless, the one thing we must always realize is in spirit, not only in natural. I'm going to, again, I hesitate only because I do not want to say that there should not be a natural manifestation or example of right. That's what the New Testament's about. But it always begins with virtue. It always begins with character. I said earlier that was probably really what that whole garage cleaning thing was about when it came to my son, was that we're working on developing virtue and character. By the time he's 17, most of that has to be established, and he has that. I'm still doing my part to try to refine it, which I think is quite all right. Uh, I have learned not to tell him what to do. He needs to make his own decisions. He's getting to that age of accountability, responsibility. Up to that point that he is all entirely on his own, I'm still there as a consultant, but the younger he was, the more I told him what to do, which, again, is sort of Old Testament. We need to be told what to do. We need to understand as God gives us his word, he is making us human, making us our humanity good for something. He is cleansing us. He is defining us. He is giving us his character, his virtue. Now, 
we could just be what we want to be. Now, fortunately, my son is not entirely rebellious, and I don't put him in that situation where he has to rebel. I, again, can be flexible, and so can God, because it is all part of, in a natural context, development and learning. But in the end, my job and responsibility as a dad, a father, is to bring him up in the way of the Lord. And what is that? according to God's virtue and character. So that when he hits that age of accountability and responsibility, he can operate in that same virtue and character. Not mine, although hopefully mine is as close to what his would be in Christ Jesus and in God and in Holy Spirit. So we're not all that different. And if I have done my job As a dad or a father, well, I brought him up with those virtues, those characters. But that's the point. When you live in a world as dirty as ours, where virtue and character is lacking, it becomes more and more difficult because everyone is a teenager and not all have been brought up culturally, as in family, as in community, to understand what it is to be human, the best that humanity can be. Now, yes, there's a lot of aspiration, I use that word on the front end, in this world to do things right, and I applaud that. Anybody that wants to do things right is probably better than somebody who wants to do things wrong or as best operational definition of what is wrong that creates problems, more chaos, more trouble, more dissension, more division, and in the end, hurts everyone, not only one another, but everyone. Why? Especially in a world, again, that seems to be as dense in population. (laughs) Don't go to that other place where dense oftentimes takes us to. Uh, Not smart, uh, et cetera. Bad joke. Uh, But we need that. Something to uniform, make us uniform, unite us, bring us into agreement, not divide us, not division, And a lot of people, truthfully, have smartened up enough, and I think probably they are dense, because they don't see the big picture. But they're very selfish. They're very self-centered, which is the human nature. They will manipulate division, create division, so that they can manipulate the situation. Because if we're united, we're much more powerful. That gives them power. You've got to watch out because that's starting to sound like the devil. That's what the devil does. Divides, conquers, manipulates. First thing he did, separate man from, and woman from God, and, and, and now man from woman. Destroys the very thing that otherwise We should be, God has called us to be, God has told us that we are 
with his identity, virtue, and character. So what is that? Well, in that same passage, as much God is defined as a spirit, Jesus says to the Samaritan woman at the well, passage in the Bible, New Testament, that God is love. That's right. That's virtue and character. That's what we need to be brought up, taught. Now, how you get there, again, I do believe because we're talking about humanity, the human nature, and in this, then, obviously, a potential to go either way to accept and receive the word of God as sanctification for the purposes of this wonderful outcome of becoming love, acting in love, or on the other hand, remaining as probably I will get no argument, most children are. Though they're innocent, though they love, it is incredibly selfish love. And it's not always even such that if you do good things, you get good return. That's how selfish it is. Now, we don't get mad at our kids because, again, we understand. They have to grow up. There's a developmental component. There's a learning component. But when they hit the age of accountability or responsibility, which really is where virtue begins to manifest itself, not by proxy of a parent or somebody else telling someone what they should or shouldn't do, but because of that being a personal choice, something inside the individual coming from the individual. And with that, there is responsibilities that go along with it. And in effect... That is really what virtue is. The biblical context for the word virtue is to accept responsibility for your decisions, but in that to also knowing, having some knowledge of what humans are supposed to be, aspiring to be the best that any human being could be. rather than being what without any effort or work. And I know that almost sounds wrong, right? Because it's by grace you are saved through faith, courage. But you have to start with something. The work is to understand your natural, the iniquity and sin, will feel easy because if it aligns with the natural world, which it does, because that's where it comes from, it will take our humanity and rather than sanctify it for a godly purpose and calling, we can become cursed. Now, I don't know that that is necessarily that God would curse, although ultimately in the end, it's hard to imagine that God is going to embrace us or could ever embrace us if we truly chose to not read his word, to not 
recognize his Holy Spirit already given unto us, that virtue and character, the image, the likeness that he created us in for the purposes of ministering, performing, worshiping unto him in this world. And what is that again? To bring love into this world. But even then, it takes work to go against the natural inclination to be self-centered, but it also sometimes, because we encounter a lot of dirty in this world, it takes work to continue to love, especially when we're not getting anything in return. Which means, once more, there's a lot of childishness in this world, a lot of individuals who are lost, that we're not brought up or taught. We're not shown the Word of God. First, it comes in knowledge, as with teaching. That's partly sanctification, as in Old Testament. But then it comes in go and do it, action. And if we don't have the action part, then what is the Word in ideal? What is the knowledge if you don't apply it? It's useless. Now, clearly, if you look at it that way, the Old Testament tells us what we're supposed to be, and in the New Testament, we do it. And if we do it in the New Testament, then we prove that the Old Testament was right. But in doing it, or even the faith to step out and do it, the foundation has to be there, or you're not. You're not going to do it. My son has learned from me I've tried to teach an ethic of work. Now, I don't think work saves you. Work just sets up, again, an aspiration to be saved. I believe in it. If I do it, then there's a good outcome, <laughs> at least for the garage. Another year where we've cleaned up what it took a year to make a big mess of. Again, that's situational and circumstantial. But if you allow me once more to broaden it, we're talking when we talk about virtue and character in spiritual regard, what we're really saying is, though, that there needs to be an effort put forth to aspire not to necessarily work alone, but understand that dimension is a dimension of sacrifice. I'm giving up my natural. It seems easy because it works in the natural world for something that doesn't work, at least not as perfectly seemingly so in a natural context because in the end if I sacrifice I am going to give in maybe that's flexible maybe that's I'm not always going to be right maybe there's more than one way to do it maybe it's for the sake of more important than getting a particular thing in a particular manner or way materially I love you, and you love me. 
and I don't let the small potatoes, as they say, cause me to become starved. Get in my way of what is even more important, and that is I love you and you love me and we can work together and we can defeat then evil in this world. All the people who otherwise are just looking to lie, cheat, or steal their way through it. Second Peter, beginning with verse, and I don't do this a lot. I think it's important. I, I couldn't say it better. <laughs> Maybe my real confession here is that I've been saying it worse. But I would like to read it. Beginning with verse 3 of the first chapter, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, by which are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness. And the brotherly kindness, love. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I could have started with that passage. We could have done an exegesis, uh, a theological study. Uh, we could have parsed the words out. We could have taken every detail. And I am not against that. That is Old Testament, fundamental. That is knowledge. But in the end, we'd still had to make practical application. I just started with the practical application and then double back to the knowledge. Now, there's a lot of individuals. I mentioned this earlier, and I'm going to finish with this thought. That believe it wrong to suggest that the Old Testament continues to have bearing in our sanctification and, as we spoke of it earlier, our eventual salvation. 
I am not one of those individuals. However, most of those arguments that the Old Testament does not have utility come from the fact that in the New Testament, we see the application of it. We begin with the human dimension with godliness applied. Sort of like the podcast in reverse order. It's effective. I said that earlier. The New Testament validates the old and the old validates the new. But lest we become confused, even as the podcast today unfolded, it's good to go back and acknowledge the virtue, the character, what God has called us to be, his word sanctifies us, shows us, tells us, identifies for us, creates this sense of who we are, our identity, so that we know, so that we're sure we can choose our election, our choice is sure, and we're not dense, we're not blind. We can see it, not only in immediate context, but more importantly, eternal context. So, my son, I'm bringing him up because of the way his development would go. I know enough about that, my profession, what I do for a living, psychological counseling, to know he needs to be taught. He needs to have a paradigm. He needs to have a way of doing things. Now, it is true I'm bringing him up in my culture, but I'm also, most importantly, bringing him up in the way of the Lord so that I teach him of God. I teach him of Jesus Christ. I teach him of the Holy Spirit and how he is to be in Christ by power of the Holy Spirit, an overcomer, a winner. He will be fruitful. I want his life to have meaning and purpose. And I know in that meaning and in purpose, there will be an abundance of fruit that he will produce. But that's my job. Fortunately, I get to do that as a parent, but I also get to do that as a profession. People come see me and I try to do this. I try to build them from faith to love. Peter explained it better than I could, but they wouldn't get it if I just read of the word, especially the lost. They have to see it in a practical application. But once that happens, we go back and fill in the word <laughs> because you can never get too much of it. And because of the human nature and the dirtiness of this world, we need to be cleaned every day, cleansed every day, sanctified every day, reminded every day, told every day. But we also need to experience Christ in us every day day. You don't get that if you don't allow the word, the Old Testament, to build a hedge of protection around you. 
You're not going to find God except you would know where to look for him. When you reach the age of virtue, you have a choice, accountability, responsibility for what you're going to do with your life. Choose the right path and you'll be fruitful. Your life will be a success. Will you still need me? Maybe. (laughs) Go to church. Read the word. Fellowship with one another. It's all good stuff. It's important. So, if you should need us, I always post the email address you can reach me at or contact me through. I will get back with you. I always also encourage you to join us again on our next podcast. What are you listening to? What is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry? And who am I? I'm Dave Clay, Dr. David Clay. I hope you will come back and join us again for our next broadcast.